Okay, so before we get to the graces of Divine Mercy Sunday, the connection with this passage is important. Now, earlier in the week, <clears throat> we saw how the two apostles, Peter and John, had arrived at the tomb. Now, do you remember a few days ago, the Bible tells us that John believed. But what did it say about Peter? Nothing. It didn't say anything about Peter's faith. Now, we see it. Now, when Peter hears that it is the Lord, what does he do? Totally trust, jumps into the sea. Now, Peter has faith. Okay, the time that now is presented to him, he reacts properly. He didn't hide. He didn't deny Jesus. What does he do instead? He rushes to him. Now, this is the goal. This is the goal, to have a love like John and a faith like Peter's. So Jesus was basically guiding these fishermen, right, from the shore um, and it would be kind of like a guide who would say, cast the net over on that side. So this passage was shown or given, I think, in the Bible to show that Jesus was real. He wasn't just a ghost. This is interesting. A spirit or a ghost would not have been able to point out a school of fish. Um, a spirit or a ghost would not have been able to build a charcoal fire. A spirit or a ghost would not have been able to cook a meal and eat it with them. That's why Jesus is always eating with them. It's like appearing to be hungry. It shows that he's real fresh in blood, that he really did resurrect. Now, Peter, this is very interesting. What do you think he thought when he saw a charcoal fire? Oh, man. I mean, that talk about your head being sunk low. It must have saddened him to remind him the last time he saw a charcoal fire, he was denying Jesus, right? Now, Jesus gives him another chance to be at a charcoal fire. And guess what happens right after this passage? He asks Jesus, do you love me? What does Peter say? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says it three times to undo the three denials. No, I don't know this man. No, I don't know this man. No, I don't know this man. Now it becomes, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Now, real quick, what is the meaning of being a fisherman? I cannot not mention the 153 fish. All right. Augustine, this is interesting, says how he got to the number 53. Now, you got to be a mathematician for this one. St. Augustine says, start with the number 10 because that is the law the 10 commandments. Then he says, you go to seven because seven is the number of grace. How many sacraments do we have? Seven. So here's what's interesting. Seven plus 10, seven, the number of grace, 10, the number of the law equals 17. And <laughs> you get 153. If you add one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six, going all the way up to 17. Don't ask me how he came up with that, but that was his belief that 153 stands for all those who by law or by grace will come to Jesus Christ. You'll come to him either by law or by grace or by both. Now, Jerome, St. Jerome makes it much easier. St. Jerome said at that time in the sea, there were 153 different species of fish. 
So this catch was a symbolism of every kind. This number 153 symbolizes the fact that someday all men and all nations will be gathered together. Now, here's what's interesting. The last time Peter was told to let down the nets after catching nothing, what happened? This was back in Luke 5. They also caught a lot of fish, but what happened back then? The nets tore. The nets tore, not here. All right. Now Jesus repeats and tells him to do it again. But now the nets don't tear. Why? Because now he's using the nets of the church, not just himself. When you do it yourself, your nets are going to tear. When you do it with the church, the nets won't tear. So this great catch of fish was gathered into one net and was not broken. That net stands for the church. There is room in the church for everybody, all nations. Now, if they all come, the church is big enough. So the church is universal. It receives everybody. That's why, you know, the blood on the Eucharistic miracles, everybody think would be the universal donor. Jesus donated his blood. Actually, the AB blood in the, in the Eucharistic miracles are all the universal receiver. And so Jesus and the church receive us all. So if it is universal, <clears throat> are we going after all people to bring them in? Are we going to all nations? Or are we afraid to approach people? Are we afraid to try to bring people into the nets of the church? Proselytizing is a dirty word. It shouldn't be if done correctly. That's bringing people into the net of salvation of Jesus Christ. This is what we are to do. This is what our apostolate is all about. Not just preaching to Catholics but going out to non-Catholics, bringing them in. In fact, I'm going to have Postulant Joseph read from the diary 416 today. You know why? Because if we don't get them into the net of the church, they'll fall into the net of Satan. Diary number 416 talks about Jesus seeing this net. And you'll hear Joseph read it after communion. And, and Jesus sees this net. It's the net of, the, of Satan capturing all these souls, just like the net we just read, capturing all the people for the church. Which net are you going to allow to capture you? And Jesus comes and he slices this net. St. Faustina tells us this. The diary has everything. I mean, like, there's nothing you can't find in the diary that doesn't connect to scripture or the teachings of the church. And so we're going to read that. <clears throat> now, if you want to avoid that net of Satan, if you want to avoid that trap that Satan is lying for you, now is the time to do it. We are in the octave of Easter. This is the eight most holy days of the year. People don't understand. Oh, well, Easter's already come and gone. No, Easter just began last Sunday. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, was the first day of the Easter octave, Easter Sunday. Then we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Today is Friday, the sixth day. Saturday, Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, here's what's fascinating. People used to look at Father Seraphim like he was crazy. 
when Father Seraphim used to say, actually, Divine Mercy Sunday is greater than Easter. Now, I'm not saying that. And the reason I'm not saying that is because they're all one day. You can't separate Easter from Divine Mercy Sunday. All eight days are called the octave. Now, why do we do this? Because when a feast in Jewish tradition was so big, they didn't celebrate it all over one day. They celebrated it over eight days. All eight days are a solemnity right now. From Easter Sunday to Divine Mercy Sunday, <clears throat> so you have Sunday twice in there. <clears throat> those eight days, <clears throat> excuse me, those eight days are one celebration. So you, you don't separate Easter from Divine Mercy Sunday. But St. Gregory Nanzianzen, St. Augustine, all said, and even Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Thomas, St. Thomas said, we need a feast. We need a feast to celebrate these eight days. Augustine, St. Thomas, St. Gregory of Nazianzen all said the greatest day of an octave is the last day, the eighth day. This means Divine Mercy Sunday. This is why Jesus said this feast has to be on this day. Now, why? Because, and I'm going to summarize this again. You may have heard me say it, but I can't emphasize it enough. And I'm going to give you a prayer to pray when you go to Mass, either tomorrow night or on Sunday. And it has been given the imprimatur in my book. I have this prayer in my book. It was given the imprimatur, so I'm allowed to give this prayer here during the Mass. A priest cannot make up a prayer during the Mass if it does not have an imprimatur. The one that I wrote for Divine Mercy Sunday was given the imprimatur. I'm going to share that with you in a minute. But basically, the meaning of Easter is simply this. On the first day of the octave, Easter Sunday, Jesus resurrected. He defeated the greatest enemy of God, death. That opened the door to heaven. Now the next seven days are symbolic of our pilgrimage here on life, call, here on earth called life. Seven is the perfect number to the Jews in regards to time, creation. But the number eight represents eternity to the Jews. So everyone... We have been redeemed. Jesus opened the door to heaven on Easter Sunday. The rest of us will live our seven-day pilgrimage called life. At the end of that pilgrimage, you will enter into eternity the eighth day. Now on that day, Jesus will come for you. But how does he want to come for you? As a judge? No. He wants to come for you as a savior, as a spouse. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. Who is the church? We are. As you've heard me say, when you come up this aisle for Holy Communion, you are making your wedding march. And who is waiting for you at the altar? Your groom, just like a Catholic wedding. And then it, when you come together, it's consummated. The two become one. Now, the only problem, is Jesus the groom going to find his bride spotless? Well, hmm. Have we been spotless? Well, if you haven't, please get to confession. Confession wipes away the first stain on our soul, which is sin. If you can't leave your home, you are bedridden and a priest cannot come over, make an act of contrition. 
Then Jesus says, receive Holy Communion on that day. You see, confession could be any time before. You can go to confession today. You can go to confession tomorrow. You can go on Divine Mercy Sunday itself. Go to confession so you're in a state of grace. Receive Holy Communion. And Jesus says, the soul that does this, and anybody can do this, even a non-Catholic. Father, is this grace for non-Catholics? Even a non-Catholic can make an act of contrition, saying, Lord, I'm sorry for your, my sins, and then a spiritual act of communion, saying, I want to unite with you, like John 6, the body of Christ through, the, through receiving him, we Catholics believe sacramentally. Non-Catholics can believe, unite with me, Lord, and spiritually. And Jesus promises that if you do those two things, that you've been to confession or make an act of contrition, you receive Holy Communion, <clears throat> or you ask God to be united with you, <clears throat> that you will be not only forgiven of all sins, but cleansed of all punishment due to sin. Wiped clean. You ever say, gee, I wish I could just start over. I wish I could wipe my slate clean. I always say, now you can. Now Jesus is given this one day. And people are like, ah, Father, this is, I mean, it, it, God is God. He could do this any day. Yes, he can do it any day. But he told St. Faustina, he only does it on this day. So who's going to argue with Jesus? I have no idea why he chose only one day. But it makes sense because it's the... Highlight of the octave. It's the final day of the octave. Jesus said, on this one day only, the floodgates of my mercy are open. Get to confession, receive Holy Communion, and ask for this grace. You can't just expect to go through life that everything is going to be given. We have to ask for it. So right now I finish. And again, everybody warns a priest can't make up a prayer in the liturgy. I'm not making it up. This prayer is in my book, Understanding Divine Mercy, which was fully given the imprimatur by the bishop, which means I can give you this prayer today. When you receive Holy Communion tomorrow night at the Vigil Mass or on Sunday at any Mass, you don't have to go at 3 o'clock to a specific uh, Divine Mercy service. You can, that's great but you don't have to. Any Mass, even if the priest doesn't even mention divine mercy, which he's supposed to, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion. And when you go back to your pew, simply make a prayer something like this, or from your heart, make it up. You can do that if it's private. Prayers cannot be made public without an imprimatur. So I'm going to give you the one that I did that was made, given that. So you can do a prayer like this. You come back to your pew tomorrow night at the vigil or any mass on Sunday. And you say, Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. Jesus you promise St. Faustina that the soul that has been to confession, I have. And the soul 
that receives Holy Communion, I just did, will receive complete forgiveness of not only all sin, but all consequences of sin. All punishment due to sin. Lord, please give me this grace. Jesus, I trust in you. And Jesus will give it to you. Or he doesn't keep his promises and nobody's going to say that. So make this prayer. Or one from the heart. Just asking God for the grace complete forgiveness of sin and all punishment. That's why Father Seraphim says Divine Mercy Sunday is like a second baptism. Your soul will never be cleaner because there's only one other time in your whole life that Jesus guarantees or God guarantees complete forgiveness of not only all sin, but all temporal punishment. And that's at your baptism. Now we could do plenary indulgences, yes, and like that, if you have no attachment to sin, even venial, but that's not easy. So go with this guaranteed grace. This is incredible. The church does also offer a plenary indulgence on Divine Mercy Sunday that you could do for a holy soul, but the extraordinary promise of Divine Mercy Sunday is only for yourself. So don't miss this grace. I've always said, if you do nothing else your entire life, please do this. And somebody says, well, Father, what do you mean? It's more important to be part of the sacraments of the church. That is the sacraments of the church. Go to confession, receive Holy Communion. Divine Mercy Sunday is taking you back to the net of salvation, the church. You can make your choice to go to the net of salvation in the church through the sacraments. You also notice there were seven of the disciples fishing with Jesus. Did you notice that? It wasn't all 12. It was seven. There were seven apostles in that boat that were fishing when Jesus came to them that we just read. There was Simon. There was Thomas. There was Nathaniel. There was two Zebedee's sons and two other of his disciples, seven. This whole thing is about being within the sacraments and the protection of the net of the church. The reason Jesus offers Divine Mercy Sunday is simply to get you back to the sacraments. And he sweetens the hook. He puts the bait on the hook. The bait that you're going to receive complete forgiveness of sin and punishment. Jesus is baiting the hook with the most incredible bait to get us the fish all 153, the world, the nations, to come together, to take that bait, to be put into the net of the church, and to be saved. Or we have our choice. Listen to the diary of 416. You can let the net of the world capture you. Satan and the demons. Hmm, choice seems pretty easy to me. God bless all of you. He has you here for a reason. He has you listening right now for a purpose because he wants you to receive this grace coming up in two days. Praise be to God now and forever. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, 
prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.